Okay, here we go. We are continuing through the New Testament. We are in Luke chapter 13. Now, Jesus is going to be confronted with an issue that's contemporary, an issue that's going on socially around them right now. And let's read about it and then talk about it a little bit. Chapter 13 of Luke, verse 1. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Now, we're not given much more information about this, except that Pilate somehow had put to death um, some Galileans while they were sacrificing or in the midst of their sacrificing or something similar. There were some other incidents where uh, Pilate had done things like this, um, so it wasn't necessarily unusual. We don't know the particular incident, but it was something contemporary. It was something that was going on, and they're asking Jesus about it. It might be the same with some of the issues that we ask about politically, things that are, that are going on presently. What do you think about this? What do you think about what he did? What do you think about what the president did? What do you think about what Congress did? What do you think about what's going, you know, the what do you think about well, they had what do you think about as well. So, um, how does a follower of Jesus uh, deal with the what do you think about? Jesus answered and he said, Do you think that those Galileans were worse sinners than all of the other Galileans because they suffered that way? So, uh, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy here? He said, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all perish. This is sort of interesting because Jesus is saying, you know, you're all worried about what happened there, but you need to worry about yourself. And you're worried about them perishing, and we should be worried about that. But you need to worry about yourself lest you perish. What are you doing about yourself? You're concerned with all of these other issues, issues that are bigger than you and issues that you don't have any control over. Uh, worry about yourself a little bit as well in, in your relationship with God. Verse 4, he said, Are those... 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were more guilty than all of the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. So he gives another incident, an incident where apparently some innocent people, maybe uh, people who work there, maybe construction workers, maybe people who live there. There was a tower in Siloam. Uh, they had lots of towers, watchtowers, particularly on the walls of the city where people would go into the watchtowers and give a look out to see, you know, who's coming into town. Well, this tower um, evidently falls and people are, uh, people are killed in it. And so when those things happen, a lot of times uh, Christian people will assign guilt. Well, you know, they must have been wrong, must, must have been bad. You know, God was taking... Jesus said, look, you know, this stuff happens. This stuff happens. So then he told him a parable, and he said there was a man that had a tree growing in the vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but didn't find any. Now, usually when he's talking about looking for fruit on the vineyard, he's got a context for it. And the context for it um, usually is Israel, because God had given Israel everything. He gave them the promise of the Messiah. He gave them the land. Um, he gave them the blessing. And so since he gave them everything, he has some expectation that they will produce fruit. Well, they didn't always produce fruit, just like God gives us everything and he expects that, you know, we would produce some fruit and yet we don't always necessarily produce fruit. 
so anyway, um, the man had a tree growing in his vineyard and he went away to look for it. He didn't find any fruit. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, he said, for three years now, I've been coming looking for fruit on the fig tree and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should I use up soil? And I don't know, you know, what the implication there is for an individual life today in uh, the, the modern world. But here he's, the reference again is to Israel. Like why, why is God blessing Israel? Why don't we just, why don't we just get rid of this? And, uh, and they know that, talk, that Jesus is talking about them. In, in verse 8, it says, Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit, fine. If not, then cut it down. I love this idea that God is always giving some more time. He's always giving another chance. Uh, for Calvary Chapel pastors, of which I am one, uh, you get discouraged sometimes as pastors. You're trying to make things happen. Things don't happen. You wonder why they're not happening. and happening for others, not happening for you. And it became sort of famous that when young pastors would go up to Chuck Smith and tell him, you know, I'm, you know, I'm done. You know, you just can't take it anymore. He used to always tell him, and all these guys thought that he was just telling them that they were the only ones he was giving this advice to. He used to say, well, just give it another year, you know, come back next year. Let me know how it's going. Give it another year. Well, that's great advice. Give it another year and see what happens. And so the patience of God and the patience of God working with us and you know, maybe we're not producing everything we could, but I think God is giving us a chance to produce some more. So let's do that. Let's produce some good fruit for God this time around, uh, by this time next year. <laughs> so verse 10, on the Sabbath, Jesus was uh, teaching in one of the synagogues. Because he could taught in a synagogue. He's going from village to village, town to town, city to city. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. That's a long time to be sick. And some of us know people like this, right? That have chronic illnesses that have been sick for years and years and years. You just get used to it, thinking, you know, nothing will ever happen. Uh, when she bent over, she couldn't straighten up at all. Wow, that's bad. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and he said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Wow. I'd love for Jesus to say that to us, right? You know, with our infirmities. And he still does. He still does heal people. He still does heal people that have been sick for 18 years. Then he put his hands, he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and she praised God. Well, verse 14, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work. So come back and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Wow, talk about a hard heart. Talk about a religious spirit. And then the Lord answered him and he said, you hypocrite or hypocrites. Uh, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or your donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Don't you feed your animals on the Sabbath? Is that work like feeding your animals, letting them get a drink of water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, something about Satan binding people up, the reality of Satan and him binding people up and the, the need for deliverance to be taken out of that, had bound her up for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what is bound her? What, what are we doing? What kind of religious people have we become? When he said this, all the opponents were humiliated. 
But the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. <laughs> well, that gap is going to grow bigger and bigger, and it's going to create some problems between the religious leaders and the common people who are thrilled with what Jesus is doing. Then Jesus asked, he said, what's the kingdom of God like? Well, I guess we're supposed to answer that, and probably nobody gives an answer to it. So he answers it. What will I compare it to? What's the kingdom of God like? What do you want to compare it to? No answer. He said, it's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in the garden. It grew and it became a tree and the, and the birds perched in its branches. A couple of things going on there. One of them is the mustard seed is notoriously small. Some people called it the smallest seed, um, you know, on the planet, but it was the smallest seed that they used. So it would be, it would be fair to call it the, the smallest seed. Even the smallest seed, when God is involved, can produce incredible things. You know, it becomes a tree and the birds perch in, it, in its branches, um, it grows. Uh, verse 20. And then he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into it about 60 pounds of flour until it worked its way all through the dough. Well, usually um, yeast is seen as a maybe picture of sin. And so maybe he's saying, you know, that in the kingdom of God, even as things grow, that there's, there's bad things growing while the good things are growing. This is a theme with Jesus. He talks about it frequently that while good things are happening, there's bad things that are sown into that. And at some point he says, you, you don't even need to try to separate those. They'll be separated out at the, at the end of time. So the kingdom of God grows, it starts small and it grows big, but there's all of this mixture that's going on. And if you've been around it all for a while, you recognize that there's that mixture. There's that bad stuff that's mixed in with the good stuff. And it happened with Jesus and it happens with us and it will continue to, but God's kingdom will in fact prevail. God's kingdom will prevail. So bless you guys. Um, we'll continue through uh, Luke's gospel, uh, making some more progress and uh, it's, it's great to go through the new testament so love you guys you are loved you are loved you are loved be blessed grace peace and mercy to you